Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello. My name is Stephanie J. Block, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. She's the Tony Drama Desk Outer Critics Circle winner and Broadway powerhouse that's changed the landscape of theatre with her outstanding vocals and unrivaled storytelling. She's originated some of your favourite roles in shows including 9 to 5, The Share Show, The Boy from Oz, The Pirate Queen, and the early workshops of the now 20-year-old Wicked. That is alongside playing historic chapters in shows such as Anything Goes, Into the Woods, Falsettos, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, and many, many more. So here, in an exclusive conversation just days before she heads across the pond, we find out what we can all expect from these two exclusive solo shows at Cadogan Hall this October 29th. We also celebrate some of the extraordinary leading ladies and friendships that she's shared the stage with and why it all comes back to WWDD. That's what would Dolly do, obviously. Plus, as we celebrate that 20th anniversary of Wicked, we dive into what it was like being the original workshop green girl and experiencing Defying Gravity for the very first time. How Get Out and Stay Out will forever be an anthem for the underdog and the power of leading with the truth. Please be upstanding for the incredible mind and talents of Stephanie J. Block, here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Stephanie and I connected with this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please let me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. She's the Tony winner and one of the finest vocalists to ever tread the boards. And to people like me, the definition of what a great storyteller is all about. So let's tell some stories together now, as I say a huge welcome from WJC to SJB. See what I did there? It's the wonderful yes. Stephanie J. Block. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hello, middle initial J, my fellow brother in the J's. I'm well. I'm really well. How are you? I'm doing really well. And I'm very, very excited. I've got my shirt on, trying to look all posh for you. I'm a little bit nervous because you are, as I sort of alluded to there, such 
a legend. You are like yeah. one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people. And this is a real honor. So most importantly, before we get all silly and crazy, thank you so much for your time. It's massively appreciated. I am so honored to be here. It's too much expectation to say that I'm fancy, but I appreciate that um, you appreciate my work. Thank you. Appreciate it to be appreciated. That's exactly That's what right. I love. <laughs> well, thank you so much once again for agreeing to do this. And I should say that it's very exciting that I get the opportunity not just to talk to you, but to talk about something very special, particularly being on this side of the pond. And that is getting the opportunity to see you, A, in person, but also to hear from you, to learn from you, for you to be our teacher, oh. for you to get to perform live here in London. I mean, before we talk about specifics, what to expect, how excited mm -hmm. audiences are, the fact that this is nearly sold out, so get your tickets if you're going to come. For you, when they were like, hey, Stephanie, do you want to come to London? Were you like, hell to the yeah? Or were you like, oh, <laughs> kind of a big deal. Hold on a second. How did you react? Yeah, both. Usually my knee-jerk reaction is always to say yes first. And then I sit and marinate with it for a little bit. And then I go, oh, humana, 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 and call my agent. Where am I going? What are the details? What's happening? How do I get there? And then we figure out logistics. But that's kind of always been my way. I always say yes and then sit in it for a second. And then, of course, reality hits and you go, oh, there are a lot of moving parts here to actually make this happen. Um, but no, I'm thrilled. And I'm sure um, you may know, and maybe your listeners don't, but this has been in the making for about four years, I think. Uh, Scheduling-wise, it didn't work out. Then, of course, there was the pandemic, which I call the, the great parentheses. And then I caught COVID somewhere in the middle. And I think now here we are, and hopefully it'll come to fruition. I mean, I'm listeners, you can't see me, but I'm kind of doing like magical sprinkly fingers because you just never know, do you? Life is wild. Life is wild. It definitely is. But it will happen. I'm very, very, very sure of that. So positive vibes all around to make sure that you end up here on our Thank shores you. singing for us. Because I feel like so many of us have had our interactions with you through cast recordings, through watching maybe Cheeky Naughty Bootlegs online, listening to the fact we've seen you on television as well but to get the opportunity to see you live feels like such a luxury for us so when we're sat there at Cadogan Hall 29th of October what does a Stephanie J Block concert look sound and feel like? Well anytime I walk into a new space or I kind of look at what the demographic's going to be who's my audience have they seen me perform before um, I changed the set list London when I was planning that set list I was like my gosh it has been four years in the making I've not been able to do this before for them. And the set list was ridiculous. And I don't think any vocalist, even with the magical powers and the twinkly fingers that I just did, anybody would have been able to do that, especially back-to-back -back concerts. Because I've had this extraordinary privilege of having incredible songs that quote unquote are now married to me and I to them. But there are a lot of 11 o'clock numbers, William. And you know, when your little vocal cords are going, we're singing 13 songs, you cannot go from defying gravity to get out and stay out to breaking down to, to, to. So I, I called my musical director, Ben Cohn, and I just said, look, we have to make sure that we have some really wonderful moments that are signature me, but we also need to make sure that I'm not in my head the whole time going, I've got to belt the E, I've got to make sure I'm giving everybody what they want, and that I can sit in the storytelling, I can breathe into the song and the music. So we developed something which I'm very proud of. Um, it's a brand new concert, and I am leaning into it, and it's called Mother. 
recently I've learned that the like LGBTQIA community has pegged me as mother. And I had to look that up because I wasn't sure if it was derogatory or a compliment or what that was. <laughs> and I thought, oh, hell yeah, this is fabulous. And then being so proud to be Vivian's mom. And now at a certain age, getting these roles where I am a mother figure in the narrative and the storytelling. And, you know, uh, ode to mother nature, ode to mother earth, ode to mother effer. Like there's a whole bunch of mother that can be explored. And um, once we started to put these songs together, there was a really fun thread that went all the way through the concert. If ever there was a person that was kind of the dictionary definition or the flag poster person for mother, it is Miss <laughs> Stephanie J. Block. So consider yourself duly knighted that. Please mother as much as you want to. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I will. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. A lot of people, when they do these concerts, I guess there is almost an audience expectation of what they'd like to hear. There's also yeah. what you as a performer would like to deliver as well, which I yeah. think when those two things marry is the beauty of these concerts. But also, I guess for you that you you want people to explore new parts of you, but that means being very vulnerable. You want them to feel like the person that they've got in their head, as they expect, is also the person that they see. So I guess, do you like leaning into the new? Do you like leaning into the expectation? How, how on earth do you find a bit of ground? You were saying all the right things. Yes, yes, and yes. It is scary, but I have found that part of my strength as a performer comes from my vulnerability, comes from my show is kind of at the tip of my tongue and at the tip of my fingers. So even when I rehearse and I craft something, the day of, I guarantee you, there will be three or four songs where we will do flippity floppity. No, let's cut that. You know what? Let's bring that back. And thank God, again, going back to my musical director, Ben Cohn, he's been with me for well over a decade. So we breathe together. He knows when I'm going to come in. He knows when I need to speed up the tempo. He knows when I'm going to banter on for another five minutes before I you know, get into the song. And that, when I feel safe and supported in that way, 
then I can play. When I know the the boundaries, that's when I I really feel like I'm at home. And I will tell you this, that I've grown into myself and I may be shooting myself in the foot, but when I walk onto the stage as me, I have come to accept and give myself grace that anything can happen. And that audience is actually there to lift you know, lift me up to be there through it all. So if a lyric disappears, it disappears. I am me and I have to, if not now, when, I have to embrace that we're in it together and you're there actually to see me sing and hear me sing me. So I just have to lean into that, as you said. And that's joy. You never know where these these concerts are going to go. And coming to them and buying that ticket and saying, well, let's see what she has to bring. Trust me, people. I feel the exact same way walking out on stage. I kind of shrug my shoulders, say a little prayer, believe in what I've done and go, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> but that makes it exciting, I think, from an audience perspective. I guess, d- does it translate to you as a performer of like, there is that possibility that something might happen that I don't know it's going to. And that's the beauty of our industry, right? I think so. I do think so. Now, of course, if you listen to a cast recording, as you made mention, or if you go see a show that's been rehearsed and we've now performed it, the whether it's the 20th time or the 2000th time, that's hard to say, 2000th time. <laughs> but with these one-offs, right, where you are specifically flying across the pond to do one or two events, Yes, I think that is the joy. I think we're on this roller coaster ride together. And if we all breathe into it together and accept each other for what it is, then that's the highest form of live entertainment and pure joy. I remember watching an interview that you did for the Share Show where you spoke about the fact that one of the things that you perhaps unexpectedly learned while doing that show was actually direct from Share, which is the power of owning oneself. And actually, yes. you do sort of need to stop waiting for other people to make you feel 100% comfortable. Or perhaps even, I think you even suggested, stop looking for feeling totally comfortable because it doesn't really it ever doesn't come. Exist. Does no. Is that part of you, does that approach now come to all of your work? Have you noticed that this is something that trickles on in the back of your mind? And I guess, how how did you make the decisions and the choices through your career before that entered? Because that world is probably the before, more where most of us sit. And I feel like you're in a very different position now. That is a heavy duty question, mister, and one that I still work out in therapy. But I think what I did before, before I settled into who I am, and I say that with, you know, a lot of grandeur and a lot of clarity. And yet, you know, I'm still searching just like everybody else. But I think before I would hide in my characters, if that makes sense, right? As I started in this business, believe it or not, when I was 12, and I wanted to be seen, and it was my voice that allowed me to be seen as a younger person. And then when I got these wonderful opportunities in my teenage years, my early 20s and whatnot, I would disappear into the character of whatever I was cast as, and yet Stephanie would somehow be absorbed or eaten, really, by that character. I was devoured by that character. And that felt safe to me, but I also knew that I wasn't giving the full body performance that I could have been giving had I been a little braver and opened up. And that didn't really happen until my 40s, where I didn't feel like perfection needed to exist in every note, in every choice, in every breath. And I was able to make myself a little bit more messy, a little bit more acceptable and accessible. And I think when the 
the audience recognizes the messy in another person or the accessibility in another person, that's when people lean in and you're not as a performer having to force yourself onto them, right? You want them to come to you and that only happens if they see themselves in the performance or in the person. And so I had to strip down and that took me a long time. I do feel like I'm there now, of course, as soon as the curtain comes down, much like what I was saying before, when I say yes, that's my instinctive gut speaking. When I do a show, it's my instinct, my gut, my heart. And then the curtain comes down and I go, oh, you know what? I should have done that. Oh, drats. That would have been much better, right? That's when the editing takes place. 2020 hindsight, however you want to look at it. But I think once you just believe in what you're doing and you believe in the people that are there with you, Hmm. then you can allow them to lean into you and you can just stand back a bit, much like you said with Cher. Do you think that the younger version of yourself was an easier person to say yes to things that perhaps you now would go absolutely freaking not? Are you insane? Like has that almost, (laughs) has almost that vulnerability and desire to, to be seen, as you mentioned there, did it actually allow you I guess, afford you more things that you could say yes to because you almost were trying to find something that you didn't actually know what the end result was, if that makes sense. Maybe, maybe there wasn't the chance to get in my head or to Mm. talk myself out of it or to lay out the, if you do this, then this happens and that's the consequence. And, And then you get lost in your own thought, right? So perhaps, but I still will say that even today, I will say yes first. Like, let's go back to um, one of the craziest journeys ever was Anything Goes. So Sutton Foster is starring in Anything Goes. I think this was like 2011. They called me up, you know, Sutton's off to do a pilot for a television show. Do you think you could do this and learn it in seven to 10 days? And I say, yes, not knowing <laughs> that it's it equates like 23 hours of rehearsal. If I just don't think about it, I tend to say yes. And it, even though it's complicated in the day and day, day out and the work of it all, the end result is still the yes I should have said, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, maybe that young girl didn't have all of the other things like a husband that relies on her and I him, a child that relies on me and all of those extra responsibilities. So it might've been a little easier back when I was younger. I think that voice that speaks very loudly in my gut, it resonates the same today. Do you think that desire to be seen also sort of impacted your, the fact that so many of us, yes, of course, your voice is absolutely mind blowing, but you were a storyteller, I think first, you tell stories first and nobody could ever deny that you aren't leading with truth, but but probably before your voice, do, do you think that that also bled into the fact that you knew that there was a message and a story, if it's fun, if it's serious, whatever it might be, that has to come first. That's where we have to begin. Yes. And you know what I attribute that to? Um, it goes back to way the way my mother used to introduce both myself and my sister. So she would say, this is my beautiful daughter, Renee. This is my talented daughter, Stephanie. So both compliments, but still labels and still things that we wear as a badge, perhaps a badge of honor. But so I, for my entire life, never really cared about what I looked like, or perhaps maybe cared too much, but in caring too much, knowing I was never going to meet the expectation, you had to release it. So that was so freeing to me. And so I was able to sit in 
okay, if I'm talented, where does that lie? Yes, I have a big voice, but if you have nothing to say, no one's listening. If -hmm. you hit the high notes and you riff, that's awesome. It's vocal fireworks. But if you don't have a message, no one cares. And I found that out really early. So yes, I find more joy in people watching me sing rather than hearing me sing because the storytelling happens from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes to the tips of my fingers. And I pride myself on that. So I would encourage that, that yes, the videos are out there. The Like you said, the cast albums are out there. The bootlegs are out there. But I will say that my superpower does lie in standing on stage and seeing what this next translation or version of this song may be because it it really isn't going to be the same as it is from the afternoon performance to the evening performance. Just isn't. And I can imagine as an artist, as purely as a somebody that goes to work in this profession, what a what a wonderful way to approach a job, which is that every day you live in truth and you live in yeah. something that has never existed before and will never exist again. And I can imagine that means that my favorite saying of all time is every day's a school day, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're learning with every every time we wake up. First of all, thank God we woke up. Yeah. That's a victory in and of itself. And then, yeah, you're off to school to learn. I agree with that. I also think that because I've done that, and this was not planned by any means, but because I've done that and I've made myself the fool and I've been able to be messy and I've tried to explore all these things in front of thousands of people and just try to work it out and see how it lands, it allowed me to never mimic a character or perhaps a archetype with every time I've been cast, it's been a different human. It's been a different character. And I feel really lucky that that's happened because I I find that if I were to be if you came to my concert and you knew exactly what you were getting, it's it's like a beautiful glass of milk, right? I don't want to be a beautiful glass of milk. We know what it looks like. We know how it's going to taste. We know that we're going to fill up and, and be satisfied, but there's no surprise. There's no, you're not going to walk out of the theater chatting about something. That is a really satisfying glass of milk. I never, ever want to be that for anyone. I love that analogy. That's such a good, that's, yes, that's <laughs> what it needs to be. Well done. I'm, I'm definitely stealing that one. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We spoke about at the beginning about some of the, you talked about like the, the torch songs, the songs that people perhaps listen to regularly, the way in which they interact with your voice. But when you get so many as you have and so many different roles that have become synonymous with you, that people, you might not even have originated them. They might just be roles that you've played throughout your career. Thinking most recently with Into the Woods or obviously originating yes. in the Share Show or, you know, Wicked or 9 to 5 or whatever it might be. Having those under your belt, knowing people are cheering you on, are on your side, are desperate to hear those songs, want to get lost in that world, to imagine what that performance might have been like. For you, when you have those, are those the ones that you cherish the most? Because those are the ones, I guess, when you're younger in your career, 
that you, I guess you dream, you hope you have something that people remember. Are those the ones that do almost mean the most? And do you know they are special as they're evolving in real time? I think, yes. I think when I first saw Defying Gravity, of course, I knew that was going to be anthemic. I knew it was going to be a game changer for American musical theater. When I first heard Get Out and Stay Out, similarly, I knew what that was going to be to people. Even in Pirate Queen, right? The show itself was not necessary. Well, let's be honest. It was one of the top 10 flops of all time in the last century of musical theater. But the song Woman, mm. that is strong. And, and I know that a lot of people are singing that in their cabarets, in audition sessions. And I take really great pride. I also like to choose songs in different ways. I like to put my stamp on it. You mentioned things that I perhaps didn't originate just recently with Into the Woods, you know, Moments in the Woods. I I didn't go out or set out to make it so different with the purpose of just putting my stamp on it. I wanted to make sure that it still served the musical, but that it also was truthful and authentic to me, to my baker's wife. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, it was a completely different um, interpretation and storytelling. So yes, I, I think that is amazing. I hope that forever is my legacy. When building a show like this, though, I also have to think about taking the people, the audience, and myself on a journey that has a beginning, a middle, and an end for that moment. I don't want it to be an evening of all the greatest hits, even though I am wonderfully attached to all these songs and they represent different chapters in my life. I don't want it to be a, oh, let's tell a little antidote about that and now let's sing the song. Because I'm no longer the same person I was when I first heard Defying Gravity literally 23 years ago. So yes. much has happened in my life that I have to interpret that song differently. And if it doesn't serve the show that I'm doing for London in this particular concept, sadly, I got to throw out that baby for that night. Yeah. It may disappoint some, and it's a blessing and a curse. It's so great to know that I am now, as we used before, married to that song, and it's in my veins, but I'm not going to do it just for doing its sake. That's not artistically gratifying for anyone. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make, I think, because we hold ourselves to such high account personally that I think there's almost a greater expectation from you as the artist associated with said song. Almost, yeah. I imagine, than an audience member wanting to hear a cast album or recording, whatever it might be. So yeah. you're not the same person, you know, used 23 years ago as a, as a good touch point, but like, you're not that person 23 years ago. You're not that person 12 months ago, but nor should you be, I would argue. I would agree with that argument. You know, do you know James Taylor? You may yes. be too young to, okay. Yes, yes. I, I love him. I listen to his interviews and he, you know, the same thing. He does concerts still today. And he's like, if I have to sing, you've got a friend one more time, <laughs> I'm going to lose it, right? If I have to sing, I'm going to lose it. But he also feels out the audience. And if they are desperately wanting to hear it, depending on how he feels that night, he makes the decision in the moment, do I give it to them or, excuse my language, or am I whoring myself out simply because they're asking for the, you know, the horse and pony show? Yep. It's a similar thing. And so you either have to stand in the integrity of what you've built for the evening, or in the moment you could say, 
Ah, uh, F it. Let's just sing the song. <laughs> <laughs> and there's fun in that. You know, I don't want to say like we're sort of belittling. Do the hits. If you want to do the hits, you want to have the fun. Indulge. We all love the greatest hits. It's oh, sometimes, hits, yeah. Some will be there. Yeah, <laughs> the hits will be there. <laughs> I want to talk about the power of storytelling because I did reference it about, you know, you joked about mother. And also we've spoken about the fact that you've had this phenomenal career of just variety and I know we spoke about the story first which I think these are all connected and I'm sure these would be stuff that that you referenced during the show but one thing that I think is very credible about your career is you've always I think been drawn to minority voices to telling stories perhaps that we aren't always favorable in telling on Broadway if it's a woman that's newly divorced that's trying to find and navigate her way in the world something that I can imagine very few divorced women in the world will ever have seen on stage or if we're telling queer stories in a show that's mm -hmm. celebrating being queer, being a Jew, if it's about, I guess, being green, if you want to go to purely to the basis form of that. For you, talk to me about some of the conversations that you've had off stage and how important the story that you're telling to the people that are sat in the audience is to you. Because we all want a great night out at the theatre, but theatre is real life to a lot of people. It certainly is to me. And the stories that I see on stage certainly have given and afforded me these opportunities today. How important is the audience to you as an artist? Well, we can always create. In every space, an artist can create. But the fulfillment of that creation is sharing it, is affecting people, right? There's a reason why they call it the arts and humanities, because without one or the other, they it doesn't work. It doesn't work. If you as an artist are not observing life and observing your fellow human, then you do not have a deep enough well to tell a story, your perspective will be so limited that you will find yourself in a box. So my whole goal, whether it is a marginalized community, whether it is lending uh, a platform or a story to allow my voice to come through and tell their story, it bottom, literally the bottom line is my heart sees your heart. Mm. My whole goal is to be empathetic enough to be truthful, to truly step into your shoes. Of course, I'm not going to pretend to know what that walk in life really is mm -hmm. day in, day out. But I am going to open up my spirit large enough to make sure that I, I recognize certain things. I can see the hurts, the hurdles, the triumphs, the tragedies, all of the things, and then try to bring that to my human experience, and then hopefully find a, I like to say a four-dimensional character, right? Because the spirit's got to be part of it too. Um, this discussion is, is, is so relevant because right now we are seeing that different communities, different cultures are speaking up and saying, that's my story. I need to be a part of that storytelling. And so this discussion is very much alive as to what is appropriate or what you are appropriating to make your own. And where is that line? I must admit, I have now been taught and I have unlearned what I thought I knew and what I thought was appropriate. That may not be appropriate anymore. And so I have to, roles that used to be dream roles of mine are no longer mine or allowed to be mine. Yeah. And I'm respecting that and honoring that. That doesn't mean I can't pretend and create in my own space to expand my own sort of artistic juices, right? Yeah. But I do hear that those voices of different communities and cultures and um, religions 
um, they want to grab at their stories and say, this is ours. And I definitely want to honor that. And looking at my resume, I'm sure there would have been opportunities that were afforded to me that right now would no longer have been. And I'm so glad we live in a world where these conversations are happening. I felt like that was oh, just the biggest frustration was please, please don't not have this conversation, right? Please, let's, please. we can talk, you know, let's, let's talk. I think that's important. And I'm glad, as you say, that we're having them and, you know, that I feel like we're spinning forward. I I have to live in a world of hope. I think we are moving I, forward. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I believe moving forward sometimes doesn't even mean we move in agreement. It means we make space for each other to be heard, to be seen. And then we can figure out and come to terms that feels right for the majority of, of those people in those spaces. It's important. Absolutely. We've got about five minutes left and there's just a couple of questions that I'd love to run by Please. you. You've had some phenomenal opposite partners. Of course, your wonderful husband, you played with mm-hmm. two shows now, which I can imagine is a very strange, but rather joyful experience on it is. stage. But also you've played opposite now women who are at so many amazing parts of their career early on who are just titans of the world of musical theatre. I mean, just to name a few, of course, Megan in 9 to 5, Annalie in, in Wicked on Broadway and on tour, I believe. I saw you on yeah. Broadway together. And of course, Michaela in Cher, who have <sighs> fame in Parade. I mean, life-changing performances. For you, when you find a friend, but also a colleague of their stature that I imagine challenges you as an artist where you go, oh, today we're going to be working for our supper. Is that when, I guess, the joy and the work meet? Is that when you go, okay, this is going to be a really sexy contract because we're going to have to work together? Yes, I love all of those words that you said. (laughs) I love it. These women are strong. These women are creative. And we used this word before. If you feel safe in a space, you can play. If you can play in that space, then you can make an absolute fool of yourself in grand ways. I remember you mentioned Megan, but there's Alice and Janney, and she set the tone. Well, Dolly Parton set the tone for the room, which was complete joy and authenticity and kindness. But Alice and Janney kind of embarking on musical theater, we all looked to her and she said, let's make the biggest mistakes of our lives in this room so we can find what's exceptional, right? You cannot do that if you are protecting and preserving yourself and floating above yourself and and, and wanting to, to make everything just so. So we watched Allison. I remember watching Kristen Chenoweth when she was developing uh, Glinda for the first time and how she just was making massive, bold strokes to really develop that character. So yes, if you invite me into a room where I know that I'm going to be playing alongside an artist who really does not only want to play, but do the work, have discipline, have respect, be messy, be lift each other up, then you've got magic. Doesn't even matter if the critics, you know, accept the piece. They weren't there for the creative aspect. They weren't there for all the goodness that we all got. They might be there for the result, but as we all know, it really is the doing of it that is the complete joy. It's where we grow. It's where we take all of our lessons and then it informs what we do next. Um, 
And I have, now that you've named these names, they are Titans. You're very right. And to see Michaela for the very first time, <laughs> she walked into a room and the, the, the confidence, not cockiness, but the confidence that she possessed and the agency of her own person at 18 years old, at 19 years old, but yet also wide-eyed, wanting to learn, respectful in the room, but ready to just dig in. It was incredible. So I hope that these partnerships continue. I will say that these friendships are deep. It is not by any means just a facade. These women and I, we are in in each other's lives. I just saw Megan last night. She happened to come to a concert that I was doing in Los Angeles. And then Seth out of nowhere said, Megan, come up. And before you knew it, we were singing for good, <laughs> uh, which we hadn't done in probably uh, maybe eight or nine years. So it was like off the cuff. And once you respect these human beings, not only as artists, but as women, as mothers, as friends, as sisters, then again, you, you get this gorgeous disco ball of a person that every time you turn the disco ball, the light hits a piece of that mirror and reflects something so different. That's what I have with these, as you say, these titans of theatre. I had the honour of meeting and interviewing Dolly Parton just a couple of months ago, and I asked her with her new album, would she give me permission to be able to shake my booty to the album? And she went, I give you permission. So now when anyone tells me to sit down, I say, Dolly told me, stand Excuse up, me. you've got it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, what would Dolly do? WWDD. <laughs> and very finally, you your famous and now infamous and rather brilliant Tony Award speech when you rightfully were crowned the Queen of Broadway and forever being very many of our hearts. You said, I've always been a theatre nerd and I so desperately wanted to be part of this community. And you referenced 13 year old Stephanie J. Block way back mm. when. For mm. the girl back then to the girl and the woman that I talk to right now who has had so many phenomenal chapters of which we've touched on just a, a few here, but some amazing ones and the life lessons that you've learned. Thinking back to the 13 year old you, what would she think of the woman that sat here talking to me now? Oh, golly. I do think she would be proud. I think she would be stunned. Um, I think she'd be confused as to when and where we we lost the goal for perfection, but in the best way that we left that goal behind because it is unattainable, as we have so discussed, maybe redundantly so, but <laughs> that that is not the goal, is to be perfect. Um, I think she would relish in that she has an incredible daughter and that she tells herself what I used to say to myself looking in the mirror at 12 and 13 years old, I would never say to my incredible child who's eight. So you cannot say that to the woman who is now 51. You have to take care of that spirit as if it was that sweet eight-year-old daughter. And I wish, I wish I would have done that to the 12 and 13-year-old girl. But I think she'd be pretty proud of where we've we've arrived. To quote a comment I saw when we announced the show, it said, I'm a homosexual, I see Stephanie, I click and I buy ticks, four X's. <laughs> I think that perfectly sums up this conversation. Mother is very grateful. <laughs> mother, mother, mother. Stephanie, 29th of October, I will be there screaming in full voice along with you. Thank you so much for this time. And most importantly, good luck. And I will see you here very soon. My pleasure. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.